0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: adventures in vhs the podcast devoted entirely to the lost format of vhs the show's been away for a few months during which time i've been pretty busy Uh, i've been moving house i've been learning to drive i've been defeating my fear of flying i've been holidaying in portugal um, but most notably i've been preparing for october when my first child is set to arrive in the world Uh, However, despite all these life-changing events, dear listener, you've never been away from my thoughts. In fact, it was while I was cooking gently on a Portuguese beach that I decided it was time to get the show back on the road with a brand new podcast. There have been some small changes, though, which hopefully you'll agree are for the better. Um, The first of these is the brand new professional microphone I have in front of me, which replaces the rather nap headset that I had before. So hopefully I sound a little better to your ears. But the main change really relates to the format of the show ex- itself. The first thing you'll probably have seen is that there's no specific episode number or movie title, which is because eventually VHS version 2.0 is going to play it a little bit more fast and loose in terms of what I cover each month. So obviously the focus of the podcast is still around the, uh, the format of VHS and it will all still tie into what I'm doing in the book. However, rather than just pick out one film to look at in detail, each episode will have kind of an overall theme, and I'll be working within that theme. Uh, So for this show, I'm going to be discovering Chuck, uh, which basically means I'll be talking about one particular 80s action movie star who had plenty of films adorning the walls of my local video rental store growing up, but whose name, for reasons I'll explain in the first section of the show, was a bit of a dirty word in my household. Um, So once I've told you a little bit about that, in kind of uh, more classic Adventures in VHS style, if you like, I'll be taking a look at two of the tapes uh, that my family would regularly ignore in the aforementioned store, uh, and I'll be taking you through the sleeve art, the trailers, and then the films itself. Uh, Now, both of these films were also released through the the legendary uh, Golan Globus Uh, Movie Empire which was Canon Films so that should provide a little bit of uh, interest as well Um, and then in the final section of the show I will sum up what I've kind of learned about this actor which as I'm sure uh, you've probably all guessed by now is the one and only Chuck Norris so I'll be giving my opinion on him as a sort of staple of home video entertainment uh, now that I've, I've finally had a chance to actually check out some of his work for the first time there was due to be an extra segment to the show, which was an interview with the director of a new documentary that kind of has a link to both Chuck Norris and VHS. But despite my best efforts, and despite the fact that it was it was them who originally contacted me asking for publicity for their film, I've kind of been let down, so that won't be happening. Um, I might sound a bit pissed off about this. It's kind of because I am. Um, I wasn't going to mention it, but I had already promised that the show would go out on the 15th of the month. And I really don't like having to break those promises, so after having waited around for for people to have the courtesy to respond to emails, I just kind of eventually thought, well, you know what, fuck them, I've got a podcast to put together. So it's a little later than I had planned, but here we are. Um, On another separate point, very quickly... For those who've been asking about the Adventures in VHS book, first of all, it's coming along nicely, thanks for asking. The first draft is getting very close, and I plan to get into the second draft uh, of things just after Fright Fest this year. Um, at the moment, though, I am getting started on kind of building a case for the book. Uh, something that's going to allow me to sort of approach a potential publisher and go, hey, this is a book that people actually want to read. Um, and this is where I'm going to ask you for a little bit of help, if, uh, if you would be so kind. Um, In short, there's a new holding referring page for Adventures in VHS, and that's over at adventuresinvhs.com. And it's basically got all the links to to everything that one might be interested in relating to the podcast and social networks and stuff like that on there. Um, What I would ask is if you do like the podcast, or if you think you might even consider buying the book at some point, uh, if it ever gets made... (laughs) then please, please, please head over to adventuresinvhs.com and just across the to- across the side you'll find some um, some social buttons down there. If you can just give it a quick Facebook like or if you can give it a quick tweet or a Google Plus One or if you want to submit it to StumbleUpon or Reddit, all the options are there. Um, if you're feeling really generous, do all of the above. That That's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, anything you can do like that, really. I mean, obviously, iTunes reviews are still absolutely fantastic for the show as well. They, they make a huge difference, but any activity that I can get over on adventuresinvhs.com will make a real, uh, a real real difference when I am approaching publishers and, and trying to convince them that this is uh, worth getting on board with. So um, I'll leave that with you. Uh, right, so I guess that's enough waffle. Um, I suppose it's time we popped open a clamshell and got ready to adjust our tracking. Now, despite growing up in the 1980s and having access to a wide selection of movies and being lucky enough to have parents that were willing to indulge my love of all movie genres, I can honestly say without any shadow of doubt that never once did a Chuck Norris movie ever find its way into the mighty jaws of our long-serving Hitachi uh, 8000 VCR. The weird thing is, when you're growing up, you get kind of indoctrinated into th- thinking certain things uh, that your parents believe without actually knowing about it, uh, whether they're true or not, and I was absolutely no different. Um, unfortunately, one of these almost unspoken rules was that Chuck Norris uh, was, to put it bluntly, a-, a fucking phony. So let me try to explain how this might have come about. Um... When my dad was growing up, he absolutely loved and worshipped Bruce Lee. Uh, he had an extensive collection of, like, Bruce Lee memorabilia and magazines from his teenage years that were stashed away in our house, and I wasn't allowed to go anywhere near them, despite the fact they were all boxed up and stored in my bedroom. Um, and what seemed like, on a monthly basis, he'd, he'd tell me the same stories, particularly the one about the time he heard Bruce Lee on the radio and how he did a punch that was so fast that the microphone caught the sound of his fist cutting through the air and stuff like that. So, you know, I'd always grown up knowing that Bruce Lee was somebody to be respected and somebody who was an absolute master of his field. Um, You know, beyond movie making, he was somebody who had absolutely, um, you know, mastered the thing that he was all about. Um, Now, in the early 1970s, Bruce Lee, having already established himself as an emerging martial arts legend, was living in the US and he was taking private students to train in the field of uh, Jeet Kune Do which was his own brand of fighting which sort of focused on the interception of the moves of your opponent um, rather than just sort of a a process of of kicks and and punches. Um, So Jeet Kune Kune Do actually translates as way of the intercepting fist Um, and it was this particular style that had attracted the attention of an awful lot of um, established martial artists and also movie stars. Um, and many of these people came to him for private tuition. So there was, um, there was a lot of famous names that came to him, um, like Steve McQueen and stuff like that. Uh, but there were also just highly, highly regarded and, and already well established martial artists. Um, now, one person who ended up being one of, uh, of these students was Chuck Norris. Um, so Chuck Norris came to Bruce to learn more about this particular style of fighting. Um, And later on, Bruce would end up casting Chuck in one of his most personal films, which was Way of the Dragon. Uh, Now, Way of the Dragon is a film that Bruce actually wrote, choreographed, produced and directed, among other things. Um, So it was an important film to him and it was the first time, really, that he'd kind of started to get a little bit of his own personal beliefs about about philosophy and stuff like that into, into his movies. Um, so it was a big deal to him and clearly you know Bruce had some sort of admiration for Chuck Norris because he uh, he'd cast him in this film. Um, in fact you only need to see the way Lee's character sort of pays a moment of respect to uh, to Chuck Norris's character after killing him just to get a sense of, of a, a real sense of that um, thing is uh, while way of the dragon is absolutely a great film it also sort of links Chuck Norris to um, to another of Lee's big passion projects, which was uh, Game of Death, which was an even dirtier word in our house. Um, And for those who don't know, Game of Death has a bit of a complex production history, mainly because Bruce Lee died before it could be completed. Um, What happened is uh, Bruce Lee started creating Game of Death Uh, And then Enter the Dragon came along and Bruce saw it as a way of really sort of making a mark in US cinema and sort of being much more of an international brand. And um, so he went and did that. And the the plan was always to go back to Game of Death. And he even had in his diary uh, on the last week of of him being alive that, you know, Game of Death production was going to start very soon and stuff like that. Um, However, he died before they could go back and finish things off. Um, so when the film Game of Death actually got finally released in 1978, uh, posthumously, the, uh, the director actually used other actors um, and cardboard cutouts of Lee's face uh, to kind of fill in the, the missing parts of his character. So I think uh, Bruce had actually shot something like 100, and, 100 minutes of footage uh, for the film, uh, but a lot of it, because he was such a perfectionist, a lot of that stuff was uh, stuff that end- would have ended up on the cutting room full- floor. It was bloopers. Um, so there wasn't there certainly wasn't a full movie there anyway. Um, so the director of End of the Dragon was brought on to kind of finish up the film and everything like that. And he decided to do that. He was going to use sort of actors. And a lot of the actors don't necessarily look like Bruce Lee. And... Um, and one of the worst things, really, is it also ch- he also changed the storyline uh, of Game of Death. So it completely ignored the many sort of philosophic, philosophic, philosophical intentions that Bruce Lee had for it. Um, if that wasn't bad enough, or disrespectful enough to the, the memory of Bruce Lee, it even used real footage from his dead body, from the open-top casket at his funeral. Um, so it's a bit grimy really um i suppose you're asking how chuck norris fits into this well purely by association norris some people have said norris was kind of planned to feature in game of death in some sort of role uh, but wasn't able to sort of shoot his bit before bruce died um but either way whether he was supposed to be in it or not um it's a little it's a little bit of a gray area um when Robert Klaus, the director of Enter of Dragon and, and the now version of Game of Death, was brought on, he decided to also include uh, some of the footage from um, the fight with Chuck Norris in way of the Dragon, presumably with Chuck Norris's consent, or at least that's that may be how it, it was presumed by my dad. Um, so yeah, it kind of Game of Death felt like a dirty and disrespectful movie. Uh, towards the legacy of Bruce Lee um, and the fact that Chuck Norris had allowed um, this footage to be included, whether he did or didn't, I don't know. It's just that kind of added to, to the sort of like the uh, the betrayal almost, I guess, my, my dad might have seen it as. Um, but it wasn't just that. I mean... Uh, Aside from all this, another of my, te- my dad's sort of teenage obsessions was kind of weightlifting, and, and well into his, his late 20s, when I was around, you know, we, we would watch Pumping Iron on a regular basis. So Arnold Schwarzenegger was a big name in our house as well. So when Schwarzenegger made the jump over to action films, he was one of the sort of undisputed kings of the genre. Um, obviously, alongside names like Stallone, um, <clears throat> you know, th- those were the sort of go-to names, and those were a mark of, of high-quality action. And I think the films of Chuck Norris, they seemed sort of similar in tone, but I think they were perceived by him, uh, i.e., my dad, and and subsequently us, to be just sort of cheaper and a bit more inferior. Um, so for that reason, and and for reasons, as I say, you know that Chuck Norris seemed to be the guy who correctly or incorrectly um, had profited from from Bruce Lee's death. He, Chuck was never going to get a chance in my house. Um, I remember very clearly seeing two titles in particular on the shelves of my local independent video store as a kid, Um, and I remember them being ignored on every visit. Um, I may have picked them up once or twice, I don't know, and suggested them, but if I did, I would have been told to put them straight back down. One of them was Invasion USA, uh, which I remember because Chuck was on the cover brandishing not one but two Uzi submachine guns, Um, and the second was Missing in Action, and the main reason I remember Missing in Action is because it had this sort of, like, glossy red lettering that reflected in the light, um, probably as we sort of casually walked past it. And, yeah, guess what? I've got both of them right here, so, um, we'll start with Invasion USA, I think. Can I pick
0: the star up this year? Time for Dinner! No one thought it could ever happen here. They are an army of international terrorists. America has not been invaded by a foreign enemy in nearly 200 years. Their target, America. Their objective, control. 18 hours from now, America will be a different place. Now. Only one thing stands in their way. It's time to die. Didn't work, huh? Now it will. They wanted a war. See in hell. He gave them one. Send me a postcard. Chuck Norris Invasion USA
1: Okay, so I'm going to be talking about two different Chuck Norris films then Uh, however, technically I'm kind of doing them in the wrong order because Invasion USA is uh, a 1986 movie and Missing in Action is a 1984 movie Uh, but who gives a fuck Um, Right, so this first movie then, Invasion USA, I hold the MGM UA um, uh, big box release in my hand. Uh, For those who don't know the cover, um, it's Chuck Norris in double denim with leather shoulder gun holsters and a leather belt, and he's brandishing two Uzis, which um, appear to be firing. I mean, like, he's pointing these, these... guns into the distance and I'm pretty sure if they were firing they'd be shattering his elbows right now but you know this is Chuck Norris after all, after all. Um, yeah so the uh, the movie is out on MGM UA, uh, it's also put out through Canon Releasing Corporation, who as I mentioned earlier um, is the uh, the company of Manaheim Golan and Joram Globus who put out loads of stuff uh, in the 1980s and, and probably made millions off the, uh, the home video explosion Um, it's a pretty nice cover actually it's just as I remember it Um, the one thing I didn't realise though is the horrific typo on the front Uh, no one thought it could ever happen here dot 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 America wasn't ready but he was and the wasn't has the apostrophe in the wrong place, which, as a copywriter, that really bothers me, but I'll ignore it. A big gold sticker on there that this is the hi-fi stereo version. Um, I know a version of this was also put out um, in mono, because uh, I've, I've seen both but I think, actually, when I bought this, I think the mono version was available uh, from the seller as well. Um, but this is the hi-fi stereo version, which is lovely. Um, beautiful, big... Serious action font, Invasion USA, 18 rated, of course. And same font on the side with the 18 certificate and the MGMa MGMUA uh, home video hologram on the side to prove that it is in fact genuine. And then just going round to the back, uh, we get the tagline of sorts repeated, no one thought it could happen here, America wasn't ready, but he was. Um, and then there's a photograph of Chuck just seemingly appearing from somewhere behind someone who's got a hostage it looks like he's just appeared and he's grabbed hold of this guy's gun while this person is trying to take a hostage um, and then there's a giant picture of a, a, a tank at the bottom looks which looks like an enormous phallus that's uh, just sp- spread right out across the back of the, uh, back of the sleeve um, so yeah at this point I will read you the um, I'll read you the blurb from the back of this tape Everyone knew it could never happen in America until the day it did. How can you defend a country invaded by organised international terrorists who strike ruthlessly, mercilessly and then vanish into nowhere? Who can you send to stop them? You send the toughest, fastest and most cunning man you've got and pray that he's good enough. It could never happen. Or could it? So, yeah, that's... That's pretty intriguing, Um, let's take a look at it shall we? Um, We'll take a look at the trailers, Uh, it's in a uh, a beautifully embossed MGM UA home video silver big box as well, so that's nice, okay so the usual piracy warning and now on to the MGM UA logo. Home Video logo. The following logo.
0: new films, which will soon be available from your local stockist,
1: are brought to you by MGM UA Home Video. Thank you very one much. One of the leaders in home entertainment. Whatever you say. What's up first? Right, this is another canon group movie. Um, that's Ice-T, for that's some reason, and this looks amazing, this is Mar- This is Mario Van Peebles and the bloke from ER having a rap battle, and it's rapping, this is rapping. Is Ice-T in this movie
0: what?
1: This looks amazing
0: picture Now John Hood had one problem at hand.
1: Okay I see is telling us the story in rhyme
0: But John and his crew had their own tricks in store stories they robbed the rich and gave to the poor
1: So this is about a rapping gang that rob from the rich and give to the poor
0: And Robin John Hood realized that fact and he and his crew are like back in Robin You must see rapping
1: You must see rapping oh, <laughs> This movie had to happen I bet that's not on Ice-Tea's CV anymore. I'll say that much, but I, I will be checking it out.
0: They drive for money. She leads
1: the best driving team there Okay, Australian car exploitation, by the looks of it,
0: no is up
1: next. Come on, shaker run. Shake run. That's what I just said, the shaker run. Against conspiracy, can't
0: let the public know what's happened here.
1: A run against time. Okay, it's a driving movie. A uh, it's got Australians in it. There's Corvettes emerging from shooting out of garages like Street Arc used to. There's a lot of guns, there's explosions. There's a beautiful pink, hot pink font, which makes it feel slightly drive esque. And it's definitely shot in Australia because you can kind of tell that the cars are Australian. There's a sort of Ford Escort van that's being used by the police there. It's definitely not an American-made film. Big muscle cars. Yeah, and the lead character seems to drive what I'm getting. Is that a Camaro or a, I think that might be a, a like a hot pick? Well, a sort of. Um, Lipstick pink and black Camaro. I mean if ever there was a phallus car. A Cliff Robertson, Leaf Garrett, Shaker Rock. That looks alright. It probably looks like it looks like one of those movies where the trailer's better, to be honest with you, than the actual film would be. I'd give it a pop, why not? Okay, third film, another Canon Group Incorporated release. <laughs> the
0: dream is music, then the place is
1: Thunder Alley. Alright, more hot pink. I
0: hear you play guitar. you the best damn guitar player
1: in town. You should be. Become... So we've had a hip-hop movie. This is the rock and roll movie. You are going to sit in with us. This is called Thunder Alley, which I think might be the name of the band.
0: You got the talent to go places. And I can help you get there. You're good. <laughs> Really gay. You play the music, I do the talk.
1: Wait a minute, I recognise that guy. I am
0: the singer. You're as good as he is, you proved it. You're hot now. They come to see you, they don't come to see us. Donnie, that's not true.
1: This is a rock and roll rise and fall movie anyway. Um clearly. Jealousy, betrayal, rock music, sex, drugs, money. Face-melting guitar solos, mullets. I own your
0: acting, and if I don't start getting 100%, I'll tear this sucker up and you can go back to playing high school frogs for all I care. We're late, Donnie, that's why. They were not there if
1: it wasn't for me. <laughs> no. This movie's got it all. What's important to you? Oh, that's the... Oh, I forget the name of the actor. The actor who played the Kurgan in um, in Highlander. I always forget that guy's name, but I think he plays, like, the manager in it. Where's his name? Clancy Brown, yeah. Yeah, Clancy Brown. There he is. Okay, another canon release. Okay, this is the actual movie. It kind of just popped on quite suddenly. So uh, this is Chuck Norris in big yellow letters in a Golan Globus production of Invasion USA. So uh, after this very brief break, um, I will come back and review the film. Okay, so you know the synopsis. Organised terrorists invade American soil, so in response, America sends in the one man that can take them down. Uh, The thing is, in the film itself, it's not really as simple as all that, uh, which is ultimately one of the things that lets the film down a bit, uh, certainly in the first act. Uh, The first third of the film is a bit confused, and it is a bit difficult to get a feel for why anyone's actually doing what they're doing. Um, But the the film opens by introducing you to the main bad guy, who's uh, Mikhail Rostov who obviously borrows his name from the then-Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, and is played by plastic-faced lunatic Richard Lynch. Uh, And you really get to see what a a specifically evil bastard he is. Um, So in the opening scene, he kills a boatload of innocent men, women and children who are Cuban refugees who are seeking the freedom of the great USA. Um, And unknowingly, they're also sat on top of a massive haul of drugs uh, and guns, um, from what I can gather. So it's kind of established early on that this Mikhail Rostov is a a big-time smuggler of guns and drugs and evil. Uh, He smuggles evil. Um, And yeah, so knowing that he's a smuggler, um, you then get to see the level of smuggler he is... Uh, when he sort of uh, gets into a a one-on-one with a Cuban crime lord who he's he's actually trying to sell drugs to. Um, So he enters the room as sort of the guy who is to be intimidated and then he turns the situation around and and, and basically cuts this guy up. Um, So you do get to see that he's capable of taking anyone down. He's big time, he's tough, he, he can handle anyone. He's not bothered about the fact that this Cuban crime lord is supposedly quite high up the chain. Um, so yeah, he's big time. Um, also, just very quickly to point out, the um, this actual VHS release uh, is quite badly cut in parts, um, and that is the most uh, clear sort of cut that scene between uh, Rostov and the the, the crime lord where he sort of attacks the uh, the crime lord and the girl that's there it's it's very badly caught to the point where you don't really know what's happened you can just kind of see that somebody's been injured um so yeah um i would imagine the dvd is not caught nowadays uh, i would have to double check that but i would imagine that's the case anyway after we've kind of been introduced to him learned a little bit more about him next we get into a day in the life of our hero matt hunter uh, now Matt lives out in the marshlands of the Deep South, and of course he's played by Chuck Norris, um, and he spends his day riding about on his hovercraft, wrestling alligators with his friends, uh, conditioning his beard probably, um, and laughing at armadillos, uh, and also eating frogs. Matt, do
0: you want to come to dinner tonight? Got some live ones. Fried, steam, barbecue, your choice. God, I'm sick of
1: frogs. Now, apparently these two people, the evil Soviet drug smuggler and the quiet armadillo-loving swamp dweller, have some sort of connection, but it's never really clear what that connection is. You know that each of them is the other's former nemesis, but you never really get to find out what it is that went down. The only real reason that you'd know that they're a sort of former nemesis is because there's a seemingly random and unprovoked attack. Uh, where Rostov decides to just take on Hunter's swampy home, so he goes in there and he blows everything up and he kills his armadillo and he shoots up the place, sets fire to the place, and I don't know, sets free sets free all the alligators and um, he kills one or two of his friends as well. So you know, it gives Hunter a bit of a um, it gives Hunter a bit of a reason to sort of go on a mission, but. You still don't get the impression that he's convinced that he should be taking this guy down, and how the two men come to be on opposing sides is a bit laboured in that respect. He just is 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 Hunter out to take this guy down because he wants to uh, smuggle drugs, or because he killed his friends, or because he blew up his home, or because he he killed his his um, armadillo. It's it's unclear, mainly because you know at one point even when. Um, the CIA come to, come to Hunter. He doesn't seem to care. He's retired and he wants to stay that way and he's not really that bothered. Uh, but I guess it's only really when the, uh, the drug smuggler uh, Rostov decides that Hunter's a threat, that he blows up, blows up his home and everything like that. Then, seemingly completely out of the blue, during a conversation in a cafe, Rostov decides that he wants to invade America meanwhile hunter has been sort of walking around in silence just occasionally frowning and sort of emoting by moving his eyebrows and looking into the distance um, and he's decided around the same time that he wants to come out of retirement i'll take the assignment
0: but remember i
1: work alone so if this setup sounds pretty weak and pretty convoluted i'll be honest it's kind of because it is and it doesn't really help that Norris is a little bit uncharismatic as the lead actor. Apart from the, f- the moment where you see him give the sort of hugest, happiest bearded smile I think I've ever seen uh, when his armadillo knocks over a bowl of milk, he just sort of grimaces most of the time and looks like he's st- sort of struggling to remember his lines when things get going you do get a bit more out of him though the action allows him to come out of his shell and and do less in terms of acting which is good and he also gets to deliver a few worthwhile one-liners that elevate the film and give you a little bit of something to root for for him as a character if you come back in here i'm gonna hit you with so many rights you're gonna beg for a left and it's around this time i actually discovered what must be one of chuck norris's big tricks and something that's kind of teased a little bit on the uh, the image on the back of the uh, on the back of this vhs box and that's that he's got this sort of trick of just being around when no one thinks he's around so on multiple occasions in the film something will be going down it may just be a conversation, it may just be something that feels a bit sort of rapey. Um, and he'll just sort of pop out of the shadows, just as if he's been in the room the whole time. And then, you know, he'll sort of rough the guy up and get out the information that he needs and, and move on. So yeah, everything sort of builds up towards a climax where Chuck is walking about from place to place and seems to just sort of know automatically what's going down what's going down and where and what you need to sort of blow things up yeah so it it builds towards that climax and as I say because of the action you sort of you become distracted from the uh the inadequacies of Chuck Norris as an actor I'll say but you know it sounds like I'm being quite down on it Overall, there are plenty of things to recommend about Invasion USA that make it a worthy watch, but you do need to really ignore how stupid and badly conceived some of them are. Do you like talking? I didn't think so. Um, The whole sort of what-if notion of, of Russian terrorists invading America is way less bogged down in the nonsense that you get in Red in Red Dawn, which is a, a film I watched on VHS for the first time probably about six or seven months ago and was really disappointed with it, the first time I'd seen it and really didn't grab me at all. Um, so in that respect, at least this is more enjoyable. Uh, you do get to see things roll out as they would in a dumb action movie about Rus- Russian terrorists invading America strangely when the whole threat to american freedom thing happens it's done on a very small scale which is understandable because this is you know quite a low budget film but you get the sort of terrorists sort of wandering into uh, into small suburban streets and just shooting off rocket launchers so they're not going for you know they're not trying to blow up the world trade center or anything they're just sort of taking on american freedom right where it lies if you want so teenagers kiss- kissing on the beach U.S. chat shows, suburban families decorating Christmas trees, playing football in the street. These are all the symbols that are kind of set up as this is what America is before these Russian terrorists will then just sort of move in and start blowing shit up. So it's clear what they were going for. It just feels a little bit small. Um, So, yeah, all in all, these these are things that are uh, quite direct attacks on Americans by what is a small army of invaders led by rostov and it's great because it's extreme um, is it the best way to invade a country uh, probably not um, so overall i would sort of kind of recommend invasion usa but i would have some um trepidation about going into it if, if you're not a fan of this type of thing it's not brilliant chuck norris is not brilliant at this point for me um, but i got some enjoyment out of it um, so yeah, other things to look out for, uh, a heavily branded Nissan truck being guarded by Carl Pilkington, um, a terrible gunman who obviously went to the same shooting school as the Imperial Stormtroopers, um, and a bomb that goes off in a shopping mall that does way less damage than Chuck does about five minutes later. So that's Invasion USA. Um, next up, I will take a look at Missing in Action.
0: Hi, I'm John Waters. Hi, this is Dolph Lundgren. Hi, I'm Lance Henriksen. Hi, this is Keith Gordon. Robert Kuhn, Miguel Ferrer. Nancy Allen. Robert Davi. It's Richard Elfman. Ileana Douglas. Patrick Warburg. Wings Wingshauser. Cliff DeYoung. Steve Railsback. Mr. T. William If you haven't been listening to the Projection Booth podcast, you're missing out. Each week, the Projection Booth brings you in-depth discussions of some of the most interesting movies ever made. I'm Mike White. No, the other one. I'm the guy who wrote the film fanzine Cashiers to Cinemark since 1994. Since early 2011, I've been co-hosting the Projection Booth podcast. Try us, won't you? I never try anything. I just do it. Visit the Projection Booth at projection-booth.com. Vietnam, 1984. Chuck Norris is James Braddock. Decorated war hero. Ex-prisoner of war. An American on a mission. one man who couldn't forget the Americans that were left behind. Yeah. We categorically deny that there are any living MIAs Vietnam. Wrong answer. James Braddock has returned to uncover the truth and free the soldiers we're home. missing in action damn right. James Braddock declares war. The war isn't over until the last man comes in. America had no more heroes. Until
1: now. Chuck Norris in action. Alright, so second film in, Discovering Chuck. I must admit, after the first film then, as I'm sure you've gathered, I'm not 100% sold on Chuck Norris at this point, but we'll move on to Missing in Action, uh, which is a movie from 1984, and I hold the copy of it on Guild Home Video here right in front of me. It's a sleeve that I do actually remember very well indeed. I remembered the invasion USA cover, but I really remember this one, and I definitely remember us walking past it on numerous occasions with you know absolutely no chance that we'd pick it up and uh, and take it out for rental for all the reasons that I've already mentioned. But yeah, it's an attractive sleeve. I'll I'll say that much. Um, this, as I say, is released on Guild Home Video, but is also again. Um, put out through the Canon group and just looking at the sleeve uh, across the top in quite small uh, letters we've got the Canon group incorporated presents Chuck Norris in much bigger white lettering and then Missing in Action in really quite gorgeous uh, reflective red lettering. That's the main thing that I kind of remember from this sleeve I remember it always, you just walk past it and the light would just sort of pick up the lettering so it's very clear in my memory. Beneath that we've got Chuck Norris with a frankly enormous gun and he's kind of leant back just pointing it up in the air and it's just like a giant penis. And so, yeah, you've got Chuck there sort of leaning back. His hair's quite long. His beard looks well-conditioned. He's wearing a headband. He's in full uh, army gear gear and it's just sort of like rocking back and rocking back and just sort of like cocking that gun up in the air in the background there's an explosion and a helicopter and some people either are they climbing onto? yeah climbing onto a helicopter so it's quite clear from the setting that this is Vietnam It certainly looks like a a a Vietnamese-style sort of um, war movie, at least. And then, just to confirm that, at the bottom, you've got this rather bizarre sort of um, quote. Uh, And I say it's bizarre because, well, it says, in quote marks, the war's not over until the last man comes home. And then, after that, it's got Vietnam, 1984. Now the war's not over until the last man comes home vietnam 1984 the way that reads and the way it looks on the front cover of a a video sleeve is it looks like a quote like a like a a poll quote like a movie quote like the war's not over until the last man comes home five stars empire like it looks like that but the quote seems to be attributed to vietnam in 1984 So I don't really understand what that is, but um, fair enough, I'll go along with it. Strangely, as well, uh, right underneath that, we have the words colour, 1 hour 34 minutes. Now, I say strangely because you wouldn't usually have the runtime of a movie on the front cover, and you also wouldn't, I would have thought in 1984, you wouldn't need to point out the fact that it was colour, and if you did, it's kind of not front cover material, really. So that's a strange one. Um, I'm just going to have a quick look actually, uh, and see if that's something that's true of all guild releases. Um... Oh. Nope. Nope. Ah, all right. I'm looking at a couple of my other guild home video releases. Uh, I'm looking at the Rats and the Last American Virgin. And they too have colour 1 hour 32 minutes, colour 1 hour 26 minutes. So maybe it's just something that was specific to that label, but it's it does seem like a strange choice. So um, moving along then, the side panel has the same font. Uh, however, it's not reflective on the side panel. Um, this is a 15 rated movie. So perhaps slightly... Um, slightly less violent than invasion usa that's a bit of a worry but never mind um we shall see and then we get to the back and there's a whole selection of photographs you've got uh, chuck and a buddy on a boat uh firing guns into the distance um then you've got what looks like american pow's being tortured by a vietnamese guy then there's another action scene in a boat um another action scene in a boat and each of these sort of ones that involve chuck Norris all have some he's all with he's with some kind of old guy i don't really know who that old guy is uh, i'm sure it will find out that he's sort of like his best buddy um all right so let's get on to the blurb shall we um a blistering saga of one man's battle against the odds and his stalwart belief in principles above all else long after the end of the vietnamese war colonel braddock chuck norris is still trying to convince the government that many american soldiers are still alive in vietnam missing in action enraged by their lack of action he takes matters into his own hands and launches a bloody offensive against the secret strongholds whose walls still imprison the men he seeks and we've got a couple of quotes uh, review quotes here next to the contents of this pick green berets is mellow stuff that's from variety and then after that uh we've got from the daily mirror good on you chuck john wayne would have been proud so uh fantastic quote from uh, from the daily mirror there and then across the bottom we've got the uh the credits the 15 logo the canon logo and then again running time one hour 34 minutes um jacket and packaging from guild uh, movie from Canon, 1984. So I must say, just glancing at the back of this, this kind of looks a bit more promising to me. I'm I'm kind of in the mood for this type of thing. I think, and I think the fact that it says, you know, Chuck Norris is trying to convince the government that many American soldiers are still alive, and he's enraged by their lack of action, takes matters into their own hands. I'm hoping that that means this is going to be a bit more of a decisive action movie and we're going to see more of Chuck actually, you know, badgering the American government and then being enraged and just going out and doing stuff and just something that gets across his personality a little bit more. Um... And, and, and as I say like from that sort of from that blurb it seems like a fairly simple straightforward story so hopefully it won't get over complicated and sort of convoluted like uh, invasion USA did um, we'll see anyway we'll see uh, for the meantime though uh, it's time for us to look at the trailers so this is in a, uh, a rather fetching um, Burgundy, I think you'd call it. Burgundy uh, Guild Home Video embossed plastic cover. And the Guild Home Video tape actually has the sort of the hinged uh, upper part. Oh, that's nice. The actual hinged upper part part of the videotape is in the same sort of uh, burgundy colour. And then across the top uh, there's a gold embossed Guild uh, Home Video logo with Guild Home Video written across Uh, at the top as well. That's really nice, that's a really nice touch, and only I'm the type of person who can get excited about things like that. So let's have a look at these trailers. Okay, so the first trailer is a U trailer for a 15 rated film, and it's on Guild International. I just want you to be certain that you're ready to throw it all away, and be out there on your own.
0: I want to divorce my parents.
1: Oh, right, okay. That's um, Drew Barrymore.
0: I met Lucy Harmony. around the age that
1: she was when she did E.T. as well, so old school Drew Barrymore. Before the drugs. What do you do? Who?
0: Oh. You. Me? Um, nothing. I'm, I'm just
1: engaged. Is that Shelley Long, I think, as well? So we've got Drew Barrymore wants to divorce her parents. I think Shelley Long's her mum. Ah!
0: Did they end up together?
1: This is weird, is this a comedy or a drama? I don't think we've got
0: enough flies. We've already got every fly in the state working. Every interview I do, I, I tell them, you laid down the script. I did more than that. I just
1: I really can't tell what the storyline supposed to be in this film.
0: That was your publisher. She wanted you to know your book just reached number one. Okay, so. That's Stop
1: it, I want you to speak to us in English, please.
0: I never used to be distant or bicker.
1: Like my it just appears to be about a family. With
0: us. Well, being being to
1: no this is a difficult one to talk about because this is obviously just some sort of like light family drama with comical elements um, and... <laughs> Uh, Drew Barrymore is at the centre of it a little bit, but it seems to be more about the parents and their relationship. Ryan O'Neill, Shelley Long and Drew Barrymore. Irreconcilable differences. That looks terrible. Directed by Charles Shire. Uh, I don't fancy that. (laughs) All right, the canon group. Is this is another hip-hop movie. Please let it be another hip-hop movie. Hey! I think you can tell what this is, so I'm just going to let you listen to it. I'll finish
0: you your friends and your whole damn
1: neighbourhood.
0: There is an enemy, so they must unite. The because to say what you believe in, sometimes you must fight. You lost your edge. Try it. Electric Boogaloo's the greatest. Nothing can compete And once you've seen this movie, you'll believe in the beast
1: Okay, so for those who don't know, Breakdance 2 or Break Into Electric Boogaloo is one of the finest films ever made. And if you haven't seen it, you need to fix that immediately. It's brilliant. And it's great that we've had two Chuck Norris movies and on each of them um, we've had an appearance from Ice T. Globe is
0: production.
1: Thank you, Ice-T. And now we're on to missing in action. So uh, yeah, after this very short break, once again, we'll take a look at missing in action, and I'll decide whether uh, whether I'm a Chuck fan or not. <laughs> From Chuck's rather confused 1985 vehicle, uh, we take a slight step back in time to 1984 for another entry in his film resume. Uh, Missing in Action is once again directed by Joseph Zito and released through the Golan Globus Canon Films Group. Uh, this time, however, is released on Guild Home Video for VHS in the UK. And as you heard from the synopsis, it promises to have sort of Chuck as this angry Vietnam vet who heads back into the jungle to rescue the US soldiers that he believes are still missing in action so the first thing to say is the opening 10 minutes of the film um, are are particularly interesting, I found myself on very comfortable ground straight away Uh, I was very positive about what I was getting into. Uh, there's a great theme tune that uh, makes sort of clever use of gunshots and missile sounds. Uh, but the main thing is really there's a pretty sweet action scene that really kicks things off in the right in the right vein. Um, the thing is, is while uh, there is certainly something similar in Invasion USA, uh, in that there's a, a sort of opening um, prologue, if you like, in the case of Invasion USA, it's basically to help out... Uh, to to help out with setting up of this rather flimsy bad guy um, and his sort of ever-changing motivations. After that scene has passed, the film sort of wanders off and it takes a while to get to the action. Uh, With Missing in Action, things are done in a much more interesting way. So you kick off with this great action scene and it puts Chuck Norris right at the centre of the Vietnam battlefield as he's sort of uh, attempting to get his men to await in chopper and escape from uh, Saigon. Um, So not only do you get the sort of visual and audiological pleasure of bombs and grenades and gunfire in this sort of jungle setting, but you also get Norris looking 100% comfortable and confident in his environment. So... He looks like he knows what he's doing. He's striding through the jungle. He looks like a hero. Um, He's covering the soldiers while they try to escape. And and he's just blowing shit up as he goes along as well. And then just seconds before it's revealed that what we're seeing is actually a kind of waking flashback um, Vietnam dream, you get this wonderful moment that really shows just how willing Chuck's character Braddock is to sacrifice himself to save his men. Um, it's a moment where you see uh, two of his men have been killed and there's a, 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 Viet, a Viet Cong who's kind of stood over them and he's just stabbing away at them with his bayonet, even though they're clearly dying. And Chuck sees this and just sort of looks at him with this 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 look of pure disgust. Um, and he looks down at him and then he just jumps, he just jumps down on him and as he's falling he sort of pops the pins on the grenades And it all sort of moves in slow motion. And it is quite brilliant. It is a a proper sort of um, fist pump moment. So that's great. Uh, But then he kind of wakes up. You realise it's been a dream or a flashback or a little bit of both. And you're back in the real world and you get to see that Braddock is, in fact, um, a Vietnam vet who's kind of become frustrated with the government uh, because they won't acknowledge that there are still US soldiers out there who need to be saved. Um, we also learn in an extended TV clip that uh, watching Spider-Man and Friends can cause painful memories of, of bloodshed, to, bloodshed to Vietnam veterans. Um, so rather than sit around and sit through badly animated 80s Marvel cartoons, uh, Braddock, Braddock decides he's going to head back into Saigon, uh, which has now been renamed Ho Chi Minh City. And he's going to accompany a team of investigators who are looking at whether there actually are US soldiers that are still being held captive. And uh, being Chuck Norris, he decides that he's uh, he's going to travel there wearing tight stonewashed denim. Just
0: look at the way this son of a bitch is dressed. Who am I trying to impress, Senator?
1: Now, at this point, you might think, certainly based on what I've suggested are uh, uh, Norris's clear strengths and weaknesses... Uh, that things will drop off a little bit. Uh, You've got very little action going on, and the film is leaning quite heavily on the political paranoia, the personal vendettas, and the sort of uncomfortable meetings that are going on between Americans and and Vietnamese officials. But to be honest, by this point, I was kind of hooked on the story and where it was going. Chuck looked the part. Um, He had a clear motivation, and there was a sort of a palpable level level of tension to enjoy from what was going on as well he is by no means a sort of desperate and forceful as i was hoping when i when i read the blurb but he he does just seem more present than he was in invasion usa you don't know anything about me oh well let's see
0: james thomas braddock 38 years old colonel in the army special forces retired prisoner of war for eight months, missing in action for seven years, escaping last year and you are now in Saigon at the request of the President to see if there are any more Braddocks in Vietnam. Like I
1: said, you don't know anything about me. As well as all that though, we do get to see Braddock do some things that show that he's he's agile and he's well trained and he's kind of single minded um, and he's that sort of uh, badass character. There's a whole ruse that he creates uh, to let the Vietnamese guards in the hotel think that he's bonking the female investigators who's, who's come over as part of the political entourage, but instead he actually goes off scaling buildings and creeping into bedrooms to try and see in his words, what's changed in Saigon so it's not 100% clear what it is he's looking for uh, but it's enjoyable enough sort of seeing him look for it and, and seeing him sort of operate in the shadows for a while at least um, and then you've got the sort of light comedy aspect of of seeing him uh, have to get back in bed with the aforementioned uh, sexual decoy uh, before the, the, the guards have sort of burst through the door and, and found him out Um sadly after that things slowed down a little bit I will say Um, and then when you get to sort of the film's 50 minute mark the plot and sort of political intrigue has sort of worn itself thin Um, while I was watching I actually picked up the VHS box a couple of times to check you know to check that I'd got the right idea about the film because there really wasn't very much happening and it didn't seem like The images that were on the back of the box were going to happen anytime soon so i didn't know when i was going to see braddock charging through the jungle with a massive gun i didn't know when he was going to be taking down evil with this armed war boat um i didn't know when he was going to be sort of buddying up with this this random character who he's he's in a boat with on, on one of the pictures on the reverse of the sleeve um and i was kind of wondering where it was going so it did lose an awful lot of steam uh towards the the end of the second act um thankfully I didn't have to wait too much longer um, the arrival of M. Emmett Walsh really sort of um, gives the film a li- a little bit more sort of light comic relief and um, introduces a character that just sort of fills things out a little bit more i think he's kind of, by this point chuck is kind of wandering around on his own so just giving him out el- giving him somebody else to talk to and interact with is 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 interesting and and definitely worthwhile at this point um and really the introduction of his character as well gives the film an avenue to take uh to take the story sort of into the climactic third act uh from from where most of the the images from the cover have been taken
0: what the hell you need my book for anyway? We're going back to Nam, rescue some nice. Oh shit, Freddy, you're crazy. He <laughs> <laughs> you said we. You said we we're going back.
1: You owe me, Tuck. I need your help.
0: Yeah? I owe you more than once. All right, you bet. I'll take you in. I'm not going ashore. Okay?
1: so as I say at this point from from here on in things sort of pick up a bit and some of the rot that's set in in towards the end of the second act has started to dissipate a little bit Um, that's also helped by a scene where you get to see the prized gunboat and and how braddock is able to talk down the price from $20,000 to $10,000 uh, and he does that by climbing up onto the boat and turning one of the guns round to the guy who's who's selling the boat and just sort of insisting his own price upon this guy um, so yeah those are uh, chuck's bargaining skills how much
0: 20,000 American dollars on the raft the rifles and ammunition I draw it. Three. Five. Don't be ridiculous. There is nothing like her in all of Southeast Asia.
1: Seven. Seventeen.
0: Fifteen,
1: no less Deal. So what do you actually get in that climactic last act then? Well, there's a pretty decent car stroke truck chase that picks up the pace and sort of gets you onto the boat section of the film Uh, and that sort of stops for just enough time for Braddock Braddock to kind of get revenge on his torturer from from his time behind enemy lines so that's nice. Then there's the section where they've spent some time on the boat and Braddock charges into a, a sort of POW stronghold and there's stuff blowing up everywhere and and he then discovers that the POWs have been taken elsewhere, so it's back into the boat uh, to chase them down. And then Q Norris and Walsh sort of cutting through the water, shooting down enemies, throwing grenades around. And then probably the best moment of the entire film, um, where the boat that they're in takes a bit of a knock and, uh, and Walsh and, and Norris end up out of the boat and you get these sort of like three Vietnamese guys and they're sort of lined up and they're giggling away they're laughing because they think that they've taken taken him out and then Chuck just emerges from the water in slow motion and it's just the perfect speed he just emerges and you see this water just dripping off him and as he comes out of the water with the gun sort of pointed up at them he's just bang letting off around bang 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 letting off around and it's it's a beautiful thing. Do
0: we run our fight? We don't have a
1: choice now. So to sum up, then, missing in action is a lot of fun, and despite a pretty harmful lag in the in the middle, uh, there is pre- plenty in there to keep you interested. The ending is a bit strange and a bit sudden, um, but towards the end you also. Uh, the film is kind of allowed to come full circle. So the great opening scene that you got um, with that great sort of Vietnamese action sequence, uh, it comes sort of back around to that, um, and it also gives sort of Braddock the uh, as a character, it gives him the sort of closure that he needs. Um, so that's great. It wraps itself up quite nicely. Um, overall, it is a more impressive piece of work than Invasion USA. But is it enough to convince me that my dad was wrong about Chuck Norris and that I'd missed out on something very special uh, every time we ignored the the VHS efforts that he had on the the shelves of our local store? Well, I'll be honest, I wouldn't say I'm particularly impressed. I can certainly see that back in the days of sort of VHS rentals, the films of Chuck Norris would offer some sort of cheap action thrill when there wasn't an Arnie or or, or Stallone vehicle available on the shelves to rent but i can't really imagine that i would have been that satisfied with with what these movies have offered back then either um i think when he's in the thick of the action he does sort of look the part he commands the screen a little bit more and is quite convincing but when he's asked to do anything else outside of that for me he really kind of flounders um now, I'm not saying that the kings of 1980s action movies were necessarily the great act, greatest actors in the world. They really weren't. But you could always rely on them to sort of work you up into a bit of a frenzy, even in the scenes that were just leading up to the explosions. So, you know, whether it was sort of because they were a little bit silly and or, or whether it was just that they didn't mind making fun of themselves or whether it was just them taking themselves too seriously you know there's an awful lot to be said for for how those particular actors and obviously i'm talking more specifically about um arnie and and sylvester uh more than anyone else but you know they had a certain on-screen presence uh very different but um very definite and sadly that's exactly what chuck for me is missing If you ask him to, say, for example, lighten the mood with a one-liner, it falls pretty flat. If you ask him to look sort of pensively into the distance while he's sort of thinking about the memory of a dead friend, he just kind of looks like he's forgotten his lines. And even really when it comes down to fighting skills, I didn't really see anything that made him stand out from the crowd. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who was a genuine martial arts fighter before he was a movie star. And aside from that, he sort of trained under Bruce Lee. And yet, in these films, at least, there's very little of it on show, um, and I found that to be pretty disappointing. Um, so, in conclusion, I, I did get some enjoyment out of both Invasion USA and Missing in Action. Um, I think some of the uh, climactic sort of uh, some of the climactic stuff in in Mission in uh, Sorry in Missing in Action, uh, particularly there is you know th- there's some stuff to be enjoyed. But overall, I did find the pair of them a little bit disappointing. Um, In fact, I think if I was browsing the shelves of Video World in Swinton and looking for something to take home for £2.50 per night uh, right now, I I feel pretty certain I'd still be walking right past the stuff that carried the bearded face of Chuck Norris. Sorry. And that just about wraps up adventures in vhs discovering chuck so all that remains for me to do is say thanks for joining me once again i hope you've enjoyed this comeback show of, of sorts just to let you know i'm planning something very special for the next show Uh, It will be even further away from the original format of the podcast. Uh, I won't spoil too much at this point, but I will say I intend it to be something a bit more meaty than just a movie review and some audio clips. I will be focusing on the work of one particular person who I feel really flourished in his own small part of the world when VHS arrived in the UK, or indeed the world, Um, and I've lined up interviews with a number of different people who I'll be speaking to about what he was like as a man, and why his movies are so special. Like I say, I don't want to give too much away, Uh, safe to say it's a man I don't think many people will have heard of, um, and I'm hoping that the show will work as kind of an audio documentary on, on him as a subject. Uh, I've already started working on it and I'm very, very, very excited about doing it. Um, and the plan is to have it up in late August, just before the bank holiday weekend. So to any uh, international listeners, that would be um, just before the sort of weekend of the, the 23rd, 24th of August um in the meantime if you simply can't get enough of me talking about vhs you should go and check out the latest episode of the projection booth which i guested on recently and chatted with mike and rob about all things movie related Um, and of course you can hear me most weeks over on the 35 mm heroes podcast with jordan and ian where we talk about the latest releases and everything else we've been watching besides Finally, I'll just take a moment to remind you that Adventures in VHS does need your help if you can spare a few seconds. Uh, so if you, if you. Possibly spare that time, please head over to adventuresinvhs.com and just like the page. Uh, That would be tremendous if you could like it, if you could share it, if you could do whatever you want with it. Um, Yeah, that would be great and it would help a great deal. Um, In addition, adventuresinvhs.com is the place to go for links to my Twitter account, the Facebook account, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, uh, as well as uh, Adventures in VHS on YouTube and, uh, sorry, on Stitcher and iTunes. Uh, where reviews are always welcome to and if you'd actually like to contact the show I would love to hear from you and I would really love to hear your VHS memories and how you feel about the format it's obviously something that people are very passionate about so please drop me an email via adventuresinvhs at gmail.com and I will read out anything that you uh, you choose to send through to me on the next episode so that's about it I hope you've enjoyed the show as uh, much as I've enjoyed putting it together for you, I will be back at the end of august with a very special show as i mentioned and in the meantime uh take care of yourself